Welcome to the pulpit ministry of Christ Community Church in South Florida, aiming to make, mature, and multiply disciples by preaching and teaching God's Word based on the sufficiency of Scripture. And now, let's join Pastor Bernie Diaz for the message. Good morning, church. Glad you could be with us today on Mother's Day. I bet if you heard the passage and you know anything about our church, you may know where this is going partly today. A little bit of a different take on the blessed calling of motherhood, because most of you probably know by now the news that's really dominating conversation, leading to some protests around our country right now. And indirectly, I think that speaks to motherhood. Um, and Mother's Day, and that's the bombshell that was leaked by the Supreme Court, an opinion that uh, was leaked out, authored by Justice Samuel Alito, you may have heard, that would overturn the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion here nearly 50 years ago, and that's a decision that has led to the loss of over 62 million preborn lives in our country. And that opinion prayerfully, hopefully, should it hold up over the next month or so, when it becomes official, would legally throw the abortion issue back to the states where places like Florida could seriously restrict or even outlaw abortion on demand, which I believe would be God's will according to his revealed word. The word teaches us God is the ultimate creator of human life, and that begins at conception. He clearly forbids the shedding of innocent human blood. Furthermore, he calls his church to stand and speak for those who cannot, to cry out for justice for the unborn. Now, you might think, wow, that's kind of dramatic, Mother's Day intro. What does this have to do with Mother's Day? Fair question. I would say everything, right? This is a mother's issue. Abortion's a non-issue without mothers. Abortion's less likely to happen when mothers hear and respond to God's blessed call of motherhood, either biologically or by adoption to motherhood, which is so important. And it's a call that reminds all of us, women in particular, as we're going to see in this text, that women have been uniquely called and blessed to bear children, to give life rather than to take it. And one of the many realities that's really so interesting in this issue, I don't know if you know this, but it's illegal for a third party to take the life of a preborn child in the womb. That's against the law as it is against God's law. But what is legal in our nation and has become way too acceptable today is that a mother may take the life of her own child. So motherhood seems to have lost its way in our society over the last generation or so. So I want to take the opportunity here on Mother's Day to biblically argue for the blessed call of motherhood. As so many are focusing on this issue that's dominating the news and social media, really. And aren't you glad, by the way, that your mother gave birth to you? Who, can, who wants to agree with that, right? You know, we preached on Sanctity of Life Sunday a few months back. 
And we had a message called the Gospel of Life that featured four questions. And the first question that we asked and that Christians, women, have to come back to time and time again is this. What does God say about human life, including life in the womb, or even more directly, is it human? Are we talking about a human being or not? Are we talking about a glob of cells or tissue, or are we talking about a human being? Because if you answer that right, this issue no longer becomes complex. It really becomes a simple moral question. So we have a story here that really pictures that reality I want us to look at, which is in the first chapter, Gospel of Luke. Set the stage here, the, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel has foretold the birth of John the Baptist to this righteous couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah. They have priestly Old Testament roots, and it's a fascinating story of a miraculous pregnancy and a birth and the legacy that comes from it, and which this couple doubted, of course. They were older, much older folks, too old in our view to have children, just like Abraham and Sarah. They might have been thinking about that as well. And we find that Elizabeth conceives. She hides her pregnancy for the first five months of her term. And then Mary, her younger cousin, reveals a smaller, a similar, I should say, prophecy from Gabriel. In fact, in Luke 1.39, she receives that. And then it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste. She went with a hurry into the hill country to a town in Judah. Why did she hurry to meet with Elizabeth, her cousin? Well, now she knows that they both have received a visitation from Gabriel, that Elizabeth's pregnant. God is about to do something great, something amazing here with both of them, as we're going to see play out in both new birth and new life and a new faith. Let's look at this new life here that you look at in verses 41 to 44. And it says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing insight right there into prenatal life in God's Word. The humanity of the unborn child is so unmistakable here. The word, the Greek word that's translated as baby there, brephos, can be translated to be an unborn child scientifically, if you prefer, embryo, fetus, but also it's the same word used to describe a newborn child, an infant, a baby. And the same word is used to describe a child then in or out of the womb. That's compelling. The Hebrew word here, child, also refers to an unborn child in Exodus 21, refers to an infant or a baby in Exodus 2, a toddler in Genesis 21, and refers to a youth in, a, in Genesis 4. What does that tell us? Simply this, God places an equal, exceptional, and eternal value to every human being that's ever been conceived from and lives from womb to tomb. In fact, the analogy, as you know before, of the baby being born, we refer to it as the fruit of the womb, right? Or you've heard of that phrase, the fruit of your loins. And that literally means something which comes from or originates from someone else, like a baby from its mother. But the beautiful thing that we see here is the reaction of John the Baptist 
in the womb. He literally jumps for joy. And the Greek word, the original language has the idea of an extreme, overwhelming joy. He's jumping up and down at the sound of Mary's voice. And many of you who have been around a pregnant mom or have been pregnant know that at six months, that's very common for the baby to move. It's biblical. Jacob and Esau inside of Rebekah are talked about moving at that stage. And that should bring joy in and of itself. I know for me, when my eldest, Brianna, that first movement, and I saw the elbow going through the skin and moving around uh, with Mahdi, that, that just blew my mind. It really did. And it was such a cause for joy. Well, the same word is used in Luke 6 when it talks about the inexpressible joy that believers react when they come to Christ. We should be jumping up and down. And I don't know if you heard in the reading, what is amazing is that both mother and child, child, are filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist is filled with the Spirit. It says in verse 15, and Mother Elizabeth in verse 41. How many more people would take a pro-life position on abortion if they simply acknowledge what you see here, that life begins at conception, which, by the way, civilizations for hundreds of years before modern science confirmed it, right? Throughout the Bible, God treats conception as the beginning of our history. Genesis 4.1 says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife. When it means knew, it doesn't talk about their meeting. It's the intimate kind of knowing. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So Cain was conceived as Cain and born as Cain. And the truth we know of that is conceived by sonograms, ultrasound technology. And before that, people knew it. People knew it because God said it. I refer you to Psalm 139, that familiar text. Verse 13, David is speaking to God and says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together where? My mother's womb. I praise you from fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Mm. And your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And then God told the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you, the person of Jeremiah, apart. So there's personhood in that language. You see that? There's personality. There's a calling on the preborn even that comes from a calling to mom to bear a child. Look, here, this may be a shocker today to say this in 2022 to some people, but God is pro-life, okay? Make no mistake about that. Regardless of whether our society and our government legalizes or tries to legitimize the taking of innocent human life, whatever comes out of the Supreme Court decision we're dealing with, guess what? It doesn't matter. I don't care what people think about this as much as what God says. Mothers, universally, whether they admit it or not, they understand the call 
instinctively because God put it there. They know what they're carrying inside of them. So many of you know that because we see and we hear it in our sidewalk ministries for our church with Love Life. We see the suffering, we see the pain, the physical, emotional, spiritual suffering that mothers go through when they struggle with their pregnancy or when they come out post-abortive. I saw yesterday the tragedy of a woman coming out of the women's center and so-called women's center and plantation having had a surgical abortion, walking slowly, being led by some worker and scrubs to her vehicle. It was tragic. It was sad. But when they're post-abortive and they come to church for healing and grace, mercy is there. Forgiveness is there, which God can give them because that's the hope of the gospel that we share. Amen? But some women will go as far as to admit the call and just disobey it anyway. When they abort, like a pro-abortion writer in New York recently said in an article, she was calling out abortive women for their hypocrisy when they advocate, and the advocates as well, when they deny that it's a life that they're aborting. She actually wrote this, that life, quote, is life, and there are some lives worth sacrificing. Imagine what would have happened if Elizabeth and Mary had had a similar worldview. That's the view today that's prevalent that the unborn don't deserve the same rights as the born. And that's a reality, folks. This is it in a nutshell. Our culture values sexual freedom more than human freedom. It's that simple. It's that basic. And so, it's different with women of God. God and mothers of faith, they see pregnancy as a blessing. Verse 42, and she exclaimed, Elizabeth, with a loud cry, blessed are you, in a loud voice, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, or blessed is the child you will bear. The womb, folks, just the woman's uterus, that's a sacred place, and therefore it should be a safe place. In fact, the word we get womb from, originally in the language, would be considered to be the innermost part of a person, like their heart, the soul, the seat of thought and feeling and choice. You know, you get that gut feeling. That's the kind of idea of that word. That's the idea behind the womb. That's where life is at, fundamentally. And Elizabeth's blessing on Mary, it's kind of a Semitic, a Jewish way of saying most blessed, being, of course, because she's the human mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And why is this granted to me, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You know, we talk about the pop-in. That's a big pop-in right there. It really is. Elizabeth wonders why she would be so favored, so blessed, that the mother of our Lord would come visit her. And, of course, we know why. They're both mothers. They're cousins. They're family. They're expecting, and they've received the calling from God that who they are carrying is special. And I'm going to tell you right now, every baby that's conceived is special. But today is a day that we're blessing, we're honoring our moms. And we should do that, by the way, constantly, in some way, shape, or form, all the time. They're special, all right? You look at the sideline of the football game and the camera and the mic are on the player, and what do they invariably say every time? Do they say, hi, Dad, love you? No, it's Mom, every time, right? There's a reason for that. So today, 
If your mom's out of town or whatever, or if you can't, give her a phone call, a text message, a visit, a kind word, a card, just to express a moment of love and gratitude. And I know baby showers picture that a little bit. That's where you have women, older, younger, they honor, bless the new mom when they get together. They greet them, they serve them. That's what you find a little bit in this meeting between these two cousins, Elizabeth and Mary. So we want to consciously, in our walk and talk, be in a mindset of honoring motherhood today, which is so out of step with our culture. We want to affirm God's view, the blessed calling on mothers each and every day, not just on Mother's Day. Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Again, it's an ecstatic joy. Think of the sports thing again. You know, the team wins the championship. Everybody's ecstatic, jumping on each other, celebrating, whatever. It's like that kind of joy right here. And you know, that's another thing too. We always enjoy celebrating a save and our pro-life ministry at the abortion clinics where we minister, whether it be the sidewalk over here in Pembroke Pines or Love Life. Listen, baby Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, think about this, was just a few days, maybe a week old, when John and his mother worshipped him from the womb. You say, how do you know that? Well, Mary wasn't yet pregnant, remember, when the angel spoke to her. She traveled in a hurry probably about 100 miles, and when she arrived, she was pregnant. And depending on her travel speed, Jesus may have been a few days to a week old. And when Elizabeth greeted Mary, John, as an unborn child, mind you, leaped for joy and announced the coming of the Lord to his mother. Our Lord, fully God, fully man, was fully present, Although probably he was smaller than a period at the end of the sentence that I just said. What a miraculous display of life and the love of life and the blessing that it is. And it's a shame, people, that more women in our culture don't feel that way. You know, it's like the old story of a teacher giving a lesson in school and teacher says to Susie, what do you want to be when you grow up, Susie? Susie says, I want to be a doctor. And teacher says, how wonderful. And what about you, Julie? She says, I want to be a soldier. Ugh. Teacher says, how commendable. And what about you, Hannah? And Hannah says, when I grow up, I want to be a wife and a mother. Listen, there was dead silence in the room. You know, like being a mother and a wife is like less than you know, that's the worldview, unfortunately, of what has become an anti-motherhood, anti-life, feminist-leaning culture that pervades the country. But you know what I love to see in the church of Jesus Christ today, the biblical church? There's a new generation that I see in motherhood of the joy and the high calling there is there because their parents saw it that way and taught their daughters that way. What does that calling look like? I want to see, I, want, I really want to show you how great this calling is in redemptive history. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, in the New Testament to Paul's first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
verse 15 we're going to look at. And this, this is a text that you may not have seen lately or thought about in a while. Very relevant today in a day where genders and roles are confused, including the church, you know, pastors and preachers. Does God allow for women to be pastors and preachers? Well, according to this passage, the Bible says no. No, that, that leadership, that role, in no superior way, but just the designation of that role, is relegated to men. So you might think, oh, wow, why and what does that mean to women, right? Listen to 1 Timothy 2.15. Yet, so in spite of this teaching by Paul, and where he talks about where Eve was easily deceived, and that's part of the the transcended principle as to why women are not to preach or pastor the, the mixed congregation of the church. Paul says this, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. What? It's really interesting. Is Paul saying here that women are going to be saved from judgment, achieve salvation by having children? No, that's not what that word means in this context. Because otherwise, saving faith would come in motherhood by women having children. And then, where does that leave women who are single serving the Lord or who biologically can't have women? That means they would remain in the curse of sin? No, can't mean that. Well, the word saved here literally does not always mean in the Bible being saved or rescued from sin as in the case of soul salvation. It means rescued, but the word also means to be preserved, to make whole. It's translated that way nine times in the New Testament. Or healed. It's translated that way three times. So what could this mean? I believe it means God has redeemed women from the stigma of the fall. I think this means that by having children, women in general, are given this incredible, unique blessing of grace from God that's only for women. Men sing bass, women sing soprano, and have babies. Men don't. And I know there's stories right now, they're trying to find technically, scientifically a way in this confused, gender-confused world we live in for men to have babies. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Can't happen. So, this is a blessed joy and calling that only God gives to women. In other words, women are saved, rescued from being left really in a second-class situation for helping lead us all into sin in the garden. They're delivered from being thought of as permanently weak in some way or deceivable and insubordinate. Like one commentator asked, can you imagine what it would be like if men had babies and all women ever contributed to the human race was the fall? God forbid, no. So even though women helped lead us into sin, praise God, they've been given the honor, solely women, the privilege, the blessing of leading the race, the human race out of sin, okay? So my point here is motherhood is God's gift to the world through women. God may not call women to be leaders in the church or in a biblical home, but she will give birth to and raise those godly leaders. 
That's a tremendous honor and privilege. And obviously, God doesn't want all women to be mothers in His providence. Some of them, He doesn't even want them to be married as they minister with 1 Corinthians 7, gift of singleness, and they're in the mission field. Some He allows to be barren for His own purposes. And as a result, many of them are great adoptive women of God. Praise the Lord for that. God has sovereign purses, purposes and plans for ladies and for others. But as a general rule, as per God's design, His calling is that motherhood would provide for society and the kingdom of God in the rearing of a godly seed and lots of them. As Psalm 127.3 reminds us, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Talk about the reward of faith. We go to verse 45 at the end of the text, back in Luke 1. Here we look at new faith that comes as a result of motherhood. And blessed is she, speaking of Mary, this is Elizabeth again, and blessed is she, speaking, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She is happy. Mary's going to be happy because she has believed the Lord's word to her would be fulfilled or accomplished. Folks, if there's no Mary, there's no gospel, right? Marvelous how God worked that out. The pain of childbirth reminds women of sin, and the result reminds them and us of God's redeeming, restoring grace, puts her back in a prominent place where she's making future generations come to the Lord, including the supernatural conception and birth of our Lord and Savior. It's amazing. Last night, one of our ladies who couldn't be with us today she texted me and she said she heard a pastor preach and say um, that Mary conceived Jesus in the womb. And she asked me what I thought of that because she thought of Jesus theologically, properly, as being pre-existent and eternal. How is that possible? Was he pre-existent and eternal? Or was he, did he come into being in the womb? And the answer, of course, is both. He's pre-existent and eternal as the Son of God. He's always been before there was time and place. And in His incarnation, coming into the world, the Holy Spirit conceived that seed, placed that seed in Mary for Jesus as man to be born. It's a miracle. You see, motherhood, birth, it's a picture of the new faith. You know, Satan and sin... They painted a destructive picture when sin came along, and ever since, I think women have misunderstood this really precious gift that they have. Because abortion, if you think about it, is a perversion. It's a distortion of that gift. Mothers are incubators of life. And the metaphor, salvifically, is of the new birth. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be reborn, born to be saved. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Right? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And 
We know the answer is no. Jesus is speaking a figure of speech, metaphorically. But the idea is birth. Motherhood and birth picture the new birth of our faith, of our salvation. And it was God who chose the womb of a mother to bring the Son of God into the world. He could have just, like Adam and Eve, just made Jesus materialize at age 30 in Israel as an adult human being. No, he chose motherhood to bring him into the world. Mary didn't consider her body her own. She knew it belonged to the Lord. Her choice was to serve God. It wasn't an easy road, but she was faithful because she knew God was faithful. And this is a blessing because she was obedient to the gospel and her Lord. So let's just help. Help prospective mothers today see the beauty, the blessing, in the calling of motherhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ that can forgive their sins, even the sin of abortion. Amen? So I just close here by just pointing you to verses 46 to 50 where you see it toward this section in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, that Mary, after this encounter with Elizabeth, she praised, she worshiped the Lord in her blessed calling of motherhood. And what it would lead to is a song of hers. It's called the Magnificat that follows here. Listen to the words of Mary singing in verses 46 to 50. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are mighty and you've done great things for us. Holy is your name. Your tender mercies are new every morning. The Psalms say that you have mercy over all of your creation and is for those in a saving way to those who fear you from generation to generation. Our prayer is today, anyone listening to this today, tomorrow, online, what have you, are going to seek you for mercy and saving grace. Perhaps a mom, a mother-to-be. I pray for two things. Number one, that the mothers-to-be will see today the high calling of motherhood, whether they adopt a child, foster care, so needed in our community today. Motherhood, they will welcome that blessing, that calling from you, that blessing that you have given only to women. We as men cannot understand the wonderful blessing that it is to be pregnant and give birth. Bless the women, bless the mothers here with us today and the mothers-to-be, Lord God. And may some of them that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior Today would be their day of salvation, of the new birth. Mothers-to-be that will give physical birth, today would be their day of spiritual birth, that they would turn from sin and self to Jesus as Savior and for the forgiveness of their sins. May you do that work, and may we just have a new, greater appreciation for mothers 
today on Mother's Day and going forward. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Christ Community Church is a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, and Bible-centered body of believers who love God and love people by making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on us and to learn how to give towards our media ministry, please go to our website at www.christcomchurch.org. That's christcomchurch.com.org. And look for the Giving tab at the top of the homepage. 